the anxiety that it gives you from potentially missing the shot, it's very, very exciting because there's so many things out of your control that makes it fun. Big Lens Fast Shutter special interview series, Time to Spare, with Revoco and Matt Cohen. For over eight years, Re and Matt have been discussing and helping others to become better sports photographers. In this series, they talk to other sports creatives about what they do, how they got there, and what they're working on. In this episode, Re talks to Jason Suarez. He's a New York-based creative director in sports through photography and video, traveling around the world for clients like USA Track and Field, ESPN, Nike, and more. Here's Ree. We see this as a uh, humanitarian mission to save sports photographers from doing something really stupid in a time like this because they've got nothing else to do. These are interviews that will literally save lives. Rather, as Rob puts it, a conversation with sports photographers around the world. Without further ado, this is Time to Spare, a BLFS special interview series brought to you by Corona, the virus and not the beer, in case we want this to be sponsored by the beer in the near future. Today, we introduce you to Jason Suarez, and he is uh, in the United States of America, and I believe in New York. Yep. So have you heard of Big Lens Fast Shutter? I have not. Okay. Uh, but I did I did uh do a little research. So <laughs> <laughs> afterwards. Uh but I think uh, a friend of mine, Mari, was the one who tagged me into it. Into, ah, like, the on the like uh, my yeah. Instagram thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Well, Big Lens Fast Shutter is the most popular sports photography podcast in the world. Yeah. By far, which is crazy yeah which is huge which is fantastic because <laughs> we like to uh, up ourselves like this all the time um it's true actually because if you put sports photography and if you put podcasts ours is the first result so let's just kind of start out with uh, i just kind of want to know like how you got into sports photography i was athlete in high school and college and i accidentally i am not a traditional photographer in the terms of I studied it or, you know, went to school for it or anything like that. I grew up in the Instagram era of photography. So I learned my basics from going outdoors, you know, doing photo walks before they became photo walks. But I would like hang out with people like Steve Sweatpants or Illich Peters and, you know, like Jay and Silva. And I would learn how to pan and I would learn how to like shoot in low light, at, you know, like going into rooftops and breaking in and doing stupid stuff like that. So I learned a lot of street photography first. And then from there, I tried incorporating it into running. I had a lot of friends in the running scene. They had access that they can give me credentials to shoot. So I think my first real track meet that I ever shot was Penn Relays in 2011 or 12. And then a few months later, I was able to go to the Olympic trials for Team USA for running. And that's how I was able to meet a lot of people. And then from there, I was able to like network and get to where I am today. Basically the, the short end of the story. Yeah, because I didn't study photography either. So I went to um, university to study psychology and I got my master's in forensic psychology. So I've got nothing to do with um, sports photography. 
And also, when I told my parents at the ripe old age of 29 that, hey, you know what, like, I'm going to, like, say, to working at an office and earning a, a decent wage, and、uh, I'm going to become a photographer. And my father was、uh, very disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Because he thought that, like, I was going to actually, like, you know, get a decent,、uh, have a decent life with, like, just working as a、uh, business person.、Mm-hmm. I think, like, a lot of Different people do come into this sports photography thing from quite weird angles. It's not like a straight and narrow, you know? Right, yeah. Because it's yeah. not like there's no like, you know, degree to get in sports photography and start、sure. this, you know? I know like one of the guys that I've been able to like work, not, I don't work with him, but I've met in like the circuit because sports photography, like especially running, It's the same people all the time shooting the same thing. He was a, a first responder、uh, on 9 11. And after he, he stopped being a firefighter, he went into photography or he was doing it at the same time. But I thought it was really cool that, you know, you can, he was a firefighter in 9 11.、Uh, and then after he retired, he was like, all right, cool. Like, I want to do this now. That is a weird change of event, no? Yeah. To be for a、sure. first responder to becoming a force photographer. I've, I've been looking at your Instagram feed. Like this whole running thing, because I do actually find running very boring. But I think you've found a bit of a niche in this whole running thing to make it exciting. How did you come up with the concept of trying to make running exciting? I will tell you, I first started in track and field. And track and field is, you know, like there's so much going on. You're jumping over hurdles and you're doing this. But. I didn't want to. I hate taking finish line shots. Like, to me, I think that is, if you are going to hire me to do that, by all means, I will do it for you. But you can buy that through Getty, you can buy that through AP, whoever, right? To me, I like the storyline plot that happens in the race. If you're watching someone run a mile, you're going to notice when. The body starts tensing, or when they start making a move, or whatever. I wasn't a fan of marathoning. Like, I, I thought marathons were the most boring thing in the world until I actually started shooting it. And you kind of make a game out of it. One of the best examples I was running around London with,、uh, I don't know if you follow Dan Vernon, but he's another、uh, good running photographer. He's a good buddy of mine. We set up a plan of, okay, this is where we need to shoot. I want to shoot at Tower Bridge, and I, then I need to like, figure out how to get to the finish line. And you know, you're, you're chasing around Kipchoge, who's the fastest marathoner in the world. And I'm just throwing out random numbers here, right? I'm not, I, I don't remember the exact time that he was running, but let's say, for an example, he was running five minute miles, right? I have another 13 miles to go. Now I have to do math, get on the tube. The, the tube gets stuck and it stops. Now I have less time to get there. You have to sit with like 15 pounds of,、uh, of equipment in your backpack, get through the security checkpoint, then run another 400 meters to like the bridge where you, you're supposed to shoot. It's just so much going on. And it's like the anxiety that it gives you from potentially missing the shot. Knock on wood, I've never missed anything. 
it's very, very exciting because there's so many things out of your control that makes it fun. So like, yeah, you're like easily sweating like profusely through this entire two hours because you don't know what can happen. So like once you have all that stuff taking into effect, it makes it really, really, really fun. But then you also get to see the finish, the end product. I think the end product doesn't give you the like the story that I just shared with you right now. You know what I mean? Like nobody knows what's happening. In order for me to get that photo, all they know is just like, oh, he stood on top of a bridge and he just pressed a couple of buttons and he got the, he got this photo. So I think that's what keeps me coming back to it and that's what makes it fun. Something like track and field now, it's more about trying to get different angles and like getting up a little higher, just trying to make it more artsy than general recap. The, the running thing or anything that is basically a, a race course for I could just probably find other sports the same thing but like you really literally get one chance to do it right because like that they will only come by that one point time. once I mean it's not like a track if it's like a 3,000 meters they're gonna keep on doing the same shit over and over and over or like I guess like uh, you know 100 meters or 200 meters like you just really get one chance to shoot is there something that you kind of like mindset wise or like technique and also probably technique wise what you're thinking at that point? Okay, so you actually got there at the position yeah. you want to be. And what are you thinking and what are you kind of preparing? Like, yeah, like I said, like mentally and also technically as well, you know, so you don't really miss it. I mean, yeah, so you'll get a couple of test shots and just trying to get the the colors right down first, right? But I think it's more about, okay, cool. Do I want to get the whole bridge? Do I want to just get Elliot? There is no point for you to travel and run and sweat so much to get to a spot just to get a close up of this one person. To me, it's more of like, all right, cool. How do I show that we're in London in this photo? Even though I'm focusing on one runner or one specific or, or a group of runners, I still want to be able to show like, all right, we're in London. Did it make, did it make my final cut of choices? It didn't uh, because I didn't like the how I was composed and you can't control uh, where the runners are going to be. You're hoping that they're going to be somewhere you know or if they're like maybe in the middle of that pack and you can't see them or they're being blocked by someone else so you just try to make the best out of it but to me what i like to do is how do i make it look like we're in chicago how do i make it look like we're in berlin how do i make it look like we're in london right so you try to capture it i try to go wide and then i try and then later on i'll try to get like a close-up shot of him because it, as a storyteller I don't consider myself a photographer. I consider myself more of a uh, of a storyteller, because even though you're running twenty six point two, yes, you're still telling them that that story of how did he get from mile one to mile twenty six point two, and the progression of that day. So I, that's what I try to do. I try to go into the mindset of like, how do we show that we are in the location of where this race is, instead of just being really zoomed in and getting a clear picture of the athlete with their sponsor. I try to stay away from that and just try to like zoom out and show what's going on in the area. You want to try different sports. I was scheduled to go to the Olympics this year and I was going to shoot the Olympics. And then that was going to be my last like little push 
for me to stay in running. I've worked my la- the last six years of my life trying to achieve this goal of being a photographer for the Olympics. And then after that, I kind of want to reevaluate things and kind of do something else. I-, I shot baseball before. I shot some soccer. Uh, but I really want to do surfing. I like I like that culture, like surf culture. Like imagine getting paid to travel all over the world in the most beautiful beaches. You know, <laughs> I mean, like that's something that's like really, really cool to me. But I also, I would love to stay in running, but I want to be more of like storytelling of it. I don't want to do as many races, but I want to be able to go to like training camps and kind of deep dive in, in these personalities of stories instead of just doing general race recap. Or maybe yeah. you should go for like triathlon or something. You can get best of both worlds, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although it's probably very cold. You <laughs> <laughs> can also go to the Olympics as well. Um, so I'm a bit bummed out. It's a strange thing uh, with uh, really big events like World Cup, Olympics, because people think that there's quite a lot, like it's it's like you get a really big job actually going there. But I don't you think don't. a lot of people really understand that with these really big events, there's so many people taking pictures. Right. It's usually like not something that like, oh my God, like you get so much money out of actually doing Olympics. I mean, right now there's so many photographers for sure, yeah. Yeah, because you actually, like, I, I make more money actually doing smaller projects than actually doing big events. Yeah, right? I, like, it's really funny because, like, the smaller projects are the ones that are going to fund me to go to the Olympics. I had nothing lined up, no work, no nothing, and I knew I was going to get myself into this huge debt. Uh, by going over there and shooting, but it, to me, it's something that I've I've wanted to do for so long. I didn't mind if it needed me to like crash on the floor and figure it out and whatever. Like that's what I was willing to do. Uh, there's a misconception, a huge misconception of just because you're going to this big event, you, they think that you're gonna get a huge payday or a huge paycheck or whatever the case may be. It was like almost a little scary for me to even think about it. I've been able to go to like a lot of places and shoot. Uh, I was in Doha for world championships and all that stuff were was paid for by someone else uh, in order for me to do provide a, a, the service. But this was the first time that I was like going into something and I was just like, holy shit, how am I gonna pay for all of this? And I think now that it is supposed to be next year yeah and we have a bit more time to start getting some people to pay up to shoot uh the olympics uh, it might be actually a good thing I, i'm kind of thinking like it's actually a bit of a blessing in disguise that i could actually um yeah do some bit more networking and sales and everything like that yeah it's tougher it's um i mean yeah i think it was and you know what it was too i found out in December that I was going to the Olympics, right? Like I got this email and I was just like, holy crap, this is great. Oh my God. And then I started to be like, all right, cool. Like, well, how do I do this? And then uh, what? what's the realist, what's the reality of me like actually making this happen? You know what I mean? And like, I kind of wanted to reach out to brands, well, not brands, but like more like magazines and stuff like that and like kind of figure it out. But I just didn't know how to approach it, right? Like, do I wait a little longer? closer to the Olympics? Do I start now? So it was, these are the questions where I struggle with as a photographer because I didn't go to school for it. And I learned a lot of the stuff through friends. There's not a mentor that I can go to. Hey, how do I figure this out? Or what do you think I should do with this? Right? So a lot of the times it's just reaching out to that network, network of friends 
who are also photographers, they're like, hey, this might work, or when will you try this? But there's never, I don't think there's a, ever like a concrete answer. I feel like a lot of the photographers that I look up to, for an example, like a Jonathan Mannion, he had Avedon to guide him through certain things, you know what I mean? Or at least he was able to work for him. There was something there, there was an exchange of information with me and I feel like other people in the industry, we're all just trying to figure it out together and we, and we don't want to share information with each other. Like there's no growth in be between people because they, to me, I think it's stupid, but I don't see other people as, as competitors. To me, I'm just like, yo, we're just here just trying to earn a little bit of money and keep afloat. What we do with um, Big Lens Fast Shutter is that we basically teach people how to shoot sports. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly think I can give you all the secrets that I have about sports photography. Yeah. And I think uh, my partner, Matt, would also do the same thing as well. Because I think I'm quite confident and I think he's quite, I don't know like what he would actually say about it. But for me, even if I give you all the secrets, you're not going to be able to beat me. Because sure. I will then, you know, it's like, it's, I don't really mind. Like, I think I want people to get better. I want people to enjoy it. I want this to be like a more, not such like a niche type of photography in the future that people can actually like really enjoy it, like shooting birds or going outside and shooting mountains. Whatever it is, like it's a bit more popular than sports photography. I don't really understand why that people don't want to divulge their secrets about this because there's so few information about sports photography on the on the internet right. you know which i find just absolutely ridiculous because any other photography you can find so much information about it i don't really have any colleagues because i'm a freelancer and but i know like there are a lot of like really good sports photographers in the world mm. but like they won't talk about it or there's that really weird secrecy involved in sports photography yeah, that reminds me of a story. My first year working for the Mets, I worked for the New York Mets for one season. It was it was cool. It was awesome. All, my job was basically take pictures, give it to them at the third, sixth, and seventh inning stretch, and then at the ninth inning. And I met this one photographer. His name is Anthony. I was out there with a 24 to 70, a 70 to 200. The president of the TV station was, hey, I really like your photos. Whatever you were doing, just do it again. And then as the season progressed, he was like, hey, do you think you can get a little closer to the picture? With the equipment that I had, that's it wasn't enough, right? So I needed like a 300 or a 400. But this photographer, Anthony, hey, listen, like, why don't you just use my lens for a little bit? And yeah, get whatever shots you need to get and then just give it back. But he was very friendly and he was hey try this try that use this over here right uh, or go over here and get this angle over there to turn around and a few few weeks later there was another photographer i never met his name i didn't get his name i never met him i didn't care to meet him but i was in one side of the of the stadium i had my bag next to my chair and whatever my my camera bag and the guy just kicks my bag out of the way and he was just like you know calling me a punk and all this other stuff and he felt like I was a threat to him. I think the difference between certain what I do and like photographers like that older gentleman who, you know, I I think it's like, because I, I, I'm there to tell a story, I already have a paycheck, right? I don't have to sell the photo in order for me to like have that income. And I think that's the difference in the mentality that certain people have, I guess, and they don't want to share secrets, is that if I share my secrets with this person, he's a potentially going to take money out of my pocket.
compared to someone who's just storytelling and there's more to those photos i have a different mind you know what i mean it's unfortunate though it's a very yeah. much like a old person's profession and they don't know what's going on and they're not nice and whatever but you know you're talking about the lenses and everything um i kind of want to like talk about the mirrorless thing okay what are your thoughts on it so i was able to use some stuff during the u.s open these major events they give you like canon and sony and nikon are all there together just here try out these cameras and give it back to us at the end of the day i tried the sony mirrorless i don't remember which one i had but it was like whatever the top of the line was two years ago i like how fast they are i just couldn't understand the color profile once i came into my computer to edit i think that's what makes it hard i don't like how long how short the battery lasts on them i think there's too much information on your on your viewfinder but i do like that everything is so light i think the weight thing is very it's underappreciated because we have to carry so much really heavy equipment all the time sure. for these things and like if you've never carried a 400 or a 500 or 600 it's very heavy and yeah. you people have to realize like and then on top of that, the bodies themselves like if you get the pro level nikon or canon they're also very heavy as well Absolutely. so yeah for me like that would be the most important thing is to like yeah. that, that they're lighter but for me the what's more important is what my final product looks like if i know i have a 90 second window or a two minute window to deliver a photo because it's either going live to, like if i'm working for whoever it is and i have and there's a tv window of two minutes of commercial break in order for me to get the photo over to them i do not want to worry about why are these colors looking like i much rather deal with the weight and i know that i can bang out these colors immediately than trying to figure out on lightroom why can i make this a little more blue or like warmer cooler whatever because of my comfort zone i much rather have 10 pound 1dx what you know what i mean with like a, a 300 that makes me like i'm literally carrying around 25 pounds on an arm but I, at least i know when I, like i'm calm and i know the colors that i'm gonna get you know i want to know the focal length or like the the lens that you use the most or the ones the one that you really do like to shoot with which one was yeah. that one for you 300 i like 300 a lot and then a 24 to 70. I've been using a 35. I've been using a 35 Sigma, but which I think I'm going to get rid of and get a, the 35 Canon. But the 7200 and the 300 are, are my go-to ones. My 24 to 70, not so much anymore, but those other two, yeah. Any particular reason why? That 300 is just so, so clean. Just the, the compression that you get, it's just that 300 is like to me it's like butter you know what i mean like i there is i am not missing that i'm getting everything clean it's just like a, a nice comfort lens for me uh the 70 to 200 uh is just super versatile i have the zoom in and out option and then the 35 i use a lot for uh, if i don't know if you were able to go and see some of the pictures from doha but a lot of those pictures were taken on the 35 because i just wanted something where i didn't have the option to zoom in and out to me the most special shots were the ones when they were grabbing the um when they were grabbing the the flag for the very first time. So I was sitting next to the guy uh, from Team USA and they were like, hand over the flag to them. 
the last thing I want to worry about is zooming in and out. I just want to see what's on my viewfinder. I know I can't, with my 35, I can't zoom in or out. It's just a prime lens. And what I see is what I'm getting. And that way I'm not distracted in like trying to get different angles. So if I needed to lean back, I would lean back. And if I needed to get closer, I would get closer to them. And I think that's why that those photos were so special or came out the way they came out because I, there was no distractions of trying to like overshoot because I wanted to get a different, I wanted to get tighter or wider. Could I have uh, put the 24 to 70 on it? Yes. But for some reason I just stuck to the 35 and I was just like, this is what I'm going to get. And the colors that came out of those photos were, were really, really, I was really, really happy with those. Just on the business side of mm. sports photography, like are you earning enough to stay do like just as a sports photographer or are you actually doing other things as well? So I've been uh, part-time. So I've worked for Apple. I've been at Apple for the last 10 years of my life. Before sports photography, there was Apple. Uh, in the last two years, I was able to go down part-time. I mean, it's the money that I'm making at Apple is not enough for me to uh, survive. I think I am making enough money in sports photography. It's not a lifestyle change. It's good enough to pay my bills and have a little bit of a savings account, but it's not something that where I'm living luxurious and stuff like that. The, the places that I travel to is because someone else paid for them. It's part of the job. That's pretty much it. I mean, the next part of, of my life, I need to kind of figure out how to make more money in order for me to like own a house or own something or own property. I, I am nowhere near that yet. Do you think it'll be possible just shooting sports or you think you have to diversify in order for that to come true? I think I do commercial work as well, but I it's within the sports world. There should be a balance between how much commercial work you do and how much general recap photography you do. As, a, as someone who's just doing general recap sports, I don't think you can survive off of that unless you're working directly for a sports team. You know, like if you are the Mets photographer, if you are the New York Knicks or the Giants or whoever it is, I think there's money in that. But in order for you to get that coveted job, it, you're in a waiting list of like, I don't know how many years. But I feel like there are a lot of my income does come from photos that I've shot in the past that they want to repurpose again via through like magazines or commercial work or like an ad or whatever so i do see uh income in that we are in the midst of the uh the coronavirus where we get to like not go outside and nothing's really happening what are you kind of doing right now in terms so, of like work yeah. or potential work or so right now, I mean, like, I think I've given so much. I haven't given back to myself in a little bit. So, like, I, I remember, I think it was, like, late last year, like, November, December. I was in a funk, man. And I was just, like, I was not in a good mental space because of just how much was, like, going on. And I think right now what I'm doing is, like, I don't know how to use Photoshop and I've been on Skillshare and I've been on master classes and I'm just learning how to like do different things. I'm organizing photos that I haven't gone through yet from like world championships in Doha, going in the archives of older photos from once Olympic trials run uh, comes uh, around. That time I want to be able to post those older photos and just kind of like reorganizing 
the stuff that I'm doing because last year I earlier last year I like updated my website but I took off so much of my older work there but I think I need to just re-edit certain things and like just post them up on the website because I think the one thing that you need to do is kind of like prepare yourself for when everything starts opening back up again for us and you have to kind of like slingshot your way to the top again like you said there's so many photographers what's going to make what are you what are you going to do to stand out now that this is all over adding extra tools to your belt you know uh, it's going to make you a little better i used to work in television and i used to be really really proficient in like final cut and avid and stuff like that and i'm like rebrushing my, my skills in those just to be able to like provide that as a service as well i i, I still provide it as a service but not as confident but i've been spending time on just investing on those skills again you know um that's what i've been doing with with my time now you know i'm um trying to become a better interviewer <laughs> my producer said i have to work on it so. <laughs> for me I, I do like i do like doing this but i think just like interviewing i've heard so many other people in the sports world give interviews to you know athletes and i some of them are just so much better than others, and I just really admire it. And it's like, like you said, like it's something that I could just get better at it. I, I think I have a lot of sports photographers that I can talk to, and I think hopefully this information and what people listen to in these interviews would actually really help people out in the near future, you know? Because it's, like I said, like there has to be more information out there for people who want to do this for a living or even just as a hobby as well, you know? Yeah. yeah. And having like people like you come on the, sh uh, the show and talk about it, it's so valuable. You know, it's like really weight in gold. Like it's, it's amazing. Do you have any like upcoming projects that you're thinking about doing? I mean, right now, um, there is this one project that I have to finish. But projects, I, personal projects, not really. I've been so uh, out of touch with personal projects for a while because it's, I'm only home for like two, three weeks and then, or whatever. By the time that I'm home, I just want to rest or spend time with family or, you know, just, but I haven't really thought about that. And I think that's a good question because even though we can start going outside, I don't think anything in the sports world is going to come back that quickly. I, I gotta, I'll come back to you on that one. Okay. <laughs> in the near future yeah if you have an advice that you want to give to like one advice huh, to a person who's interested in becoming a sports photographer like what would that be network don't ask about what gear you're using because it doesn't matter what's the most important is your network and not just network in the in the sense of just like networking, but truly have meaningful relationships with people because that's what's going to get you ahead in this sea of photography. I, I think, honestly, I, I do not consider myself the most talented photographer. I don't think I am. I know really close friends of mine who I work with constantly, who I think that, who are much better than I am. But I think what has me in that, in these conversations in the room is that it's how I treat people and, and, my, and how I am with other people. You know what I mean? Because I've prioritized my relationship with people other than trying to have just a business relationship with them, you know? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's especially if you want to become a professional sports photographer, that really is the key to have good relationships huh? and just in general that people want to, would want to work with you. For sure, um, yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. can people find you? 
so people can find me on Instagram at not afraid to fail or my website, not afraid to fail.com. Same thing on Twitter, not afraid to fail. And it's N O T A F R I I D number two F A I L. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's, it's probably quite good that you actually do remember your, uh, the name of the real, you know, your own website. Right. <laughs> um, Jason, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, best of luck to you. And then, uh, yeah, maybe, um, you know, we will see each other in Tokyo next year. Absolutely, man. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, we can do a number two. There's a follow up. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. This is the BLFS interview series, which is uh, called Time to Spare. If you've been listening to this interview and if you want to learn more about sports photography, please go to biglensfastshutter.com. We have been running this now with uh, Matt Cohen and I, and we just are there to make you a better sports photographer. We're not the nicest people in the whole world, but we get you results, you know. Which is good. I think if you have a bit of a thick skin, you will enjoy our lessons. Just uh, signing off.、Uh, one last thing is a Patreon thing for the podcast via Patreon, and that is p a t r e o n dot com slash b l f s. So、uh, this is、uh, Revocal signing off. We'll see you again in the next interview. Thanks.